0: This episode of On Comedy Writing is brought to you by Showtime on Amazon. I've heard of HBO on Amazon, but Showtime on Amazon? This is an episode of uh, Connie Bang Bang, that'd be the ad. But yes, there is now Showtime on Amazon. Showtime includes instant streaming of unlimited access to addictive dramas, hilarious comedies, movies, and so much more. You start with a seven-day free trial, and after that, it's just eight ninety nine dollars a month, which I assume is a good price. Because, like I said in the HBO ad, my parents do pay for cable, and I use my Apple TV to watch all my favorite shows. But Showtime has some of the best. Shameless, right? The Chai, which just came out, which I heard is, is good. The Smilf, which I heard is actually excellent. I heard Smilf is very good. Homeland. Ray Donovan, uh, a Boston boy gone to Hollywood. Bill Simmons. Ever heard of it, Bill Simmons? Uh, but most importantly, Billions, baby. Paul Giamatti and Damian Lewis play Money Boys. Bobby Billions versus the Giamatti. Right? I think in this season they're going to fuck. I, I truly do. The boys from Billions, they're going to they're gonna kiss each other in season three. So uh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. The boys from Billions are going to fuck. With Showtime on Amazon, you can get your free seven-day trial by going to boardwalkaudio.com slash Showtime. That's boardwalkaudio.com slash Showtime.
1: This is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. On comedy writing. On comedy writing, writing, writing,
0: writing. Thanks for downloading this episode of On Comedy Writing, the podcast about the business and craft of writing comedy. I'm your host, Alan Johnson. We've got a great episode, but first, the best way to support this show is by going to boardlockaudiocom writing click the Supporter Artist button, and shop on Amazon like you normally would. And I get a little kickback. As you can probably tell from this intro, I'm a little under the weather. I'm a sick little boy, so I'll make this pretty quick. I'm doing something a little mad for March Madness. I'll I'll still talk like that. I'm doing something a little mad for March Madness. For the four episodes in March, I'm doing the same sketch pitch. That's right. What's more mad than repeating the same half-baked idea? Telling it to writers from Last Week Tonight, The Onion, The President Show, Mad TV, At Midnight, and more. So the first guest of On Comedy Writings, March Madness, is John Reynolds. He's an OG UCB guy who's written for Celebrity Deathmatch, The Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson, and The President Show. He's also got a cool webcomic that you should definitely check out. It was a really fun conversation. I wasn't sick then, so you don't have to listen to this disgusting voice. So here is John Reynolds. All right, John, thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thanks, uh, uh, Alan.
0: Uh, Where are you from originally?
1: I'm from the Bronx, oh, New York, okay. and then, but mostly raised in Westchester. But I like to say the Bronx because it sounds badasser. Uh, <laughs> well, that's where I was born.
0: Uh, and you and you were mostly raised in uh, Westchester. How'd mm-hmm. you like living there?
1: It was a boring suburban yeah. lifestyle.
0: Isn't there like a like John Cheever? Doesn't he like
1: write right about sub- that kind of suburbia? Yeah. yeah, or
0: Westchester specifically, I think.
1: Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I haven't ever. I, have I don't think I've read any. I like to read, and I don't think I've ever read John Cheever.
0: Oh, I like John Cheever. He's he's interesting.
1: Um, he's, he was a
0: pretty miserable guy, I think, though too. Uh,
1: was he an alcoholic?
0: I think I think he was, and I think uh, his diaries. I didn't read them, but I heard that they're very like just him talking, just saying how he hates everybody really That he knows
1: yeah oh i gotta get why don't i know this yeah he's interesting, more of, interesting. i mean i know of him i just yeah. never read Ra- raymond carver is who i think of in terms of suburban okay, uh, yeah. uh angst yeah but um but he's middle he's middle of the country right i think he's chicago uh, uh i think he's yeah, in illinois right. parts yeah. of illinois yeah,
0: yeah. Mm. uh were you how fucking literary is this hey <laughs> right Talking about a freaking cheater. Uh, when, when did you uh, first start getting interested in comedy?
1: Uh, I was interested in comedy um, almost as as early as I can remember. I was very in uh, very focused on trying to make my parents laugh because there's there was unhappiness there, and um, I you know so I think it's the the, the typical uh, adult child of an alcoholic speaking now in terms of like oh i like doing uh comedy because it made uh, mommy uh, want to live for 5 minutes and yeah. uh before she went back into the <laughs> horrors of her life it actually wasn't that horrible but uh but there was um but there but there was some of that that definitely played into it and then i um i always wanted to be a cartoonist and i still draw cartoons and i'm going to plug right now my webcomic is <laughs> called a fistful of babies at com or at a of Babies on Instagram. I just hijacked this podcast to, <laughs> to do that. I love comics. I love comic strips especially. I really got into super early in life the way you could get jokes out mm. um, and character comedy out of just four panels or less if it's Garfield uh, yeah. in the early Garfield funny years. Because kids – Garfield used to be funny. All this shit used to be really funny. Even Family Circus used to be funny uh, before they just out they outstayed their welcome. Those strips should have died.
0: I, I've so, been uh, looking at a lot of Heathcliff strips yes, because I George think been, Gately on Twitter. They, people have been talking about them more recently. Why? Uh, I think people have been kind of looking at them and saying, "How how is this funny?
1: Because some of them, it
0: does seem like a lot of Heathcliff strips uh, are just people commenting on Heathcliff rather than, like, any yeah. sort of jokes happening. It's like, <laughs> That's one crazy cat. <laughs> but
1: Heathcliff was before Garfield. Right, yeah. And was funny. It yeah. was actually funny. But this fucking, they just, I, they're probably on their third or fourth cartoonist doing it and they have no idea what made it funny to begin with and it probably ran outran its funny because yeah. most of your generation knows Calvin and Hobbes even mm-hmm. though it probably stopped when you were uh, toddlers yeah. but he he was you know recognized rightfully for being a genius but also for stopping the strip that was like unheard of he was part of a triumvirate that stopped their comics because they didn't want to go stale it was him Burke Breathed, who did Bloom County, and Gary Larson, who did The Far Side, they all stopped around the same time because they were terrified of becoming Heathcliff. Yeah. Now, you know, and uh, there's some that takes a lot of self restraint. Like that's a they and you know it's well known that the Bill Watterson, the Calvin and Hobbes guy, like he could have had made millions and millions of dollars yeah. if he had made dolls and. You know mugs and all that shit, and he was like, "No, it'll ruin the integrity of the strip." And that was that's so admirable, but so impossible for most people to do, you know. Um, But that's it's the Heathcliff of today is the reason why these guys did did what they did then.
0: That is so odd that these uh, cartoon strips are just like made in the fifties, and then people just take over. Yeah, that's so strange.
1: It's crazy. The guy um, Mort Walker, who created Beetle Bailey among many other strips, just died. And he was like ninety five or ninety six, wow. and his he's got like four sons and three daughters, and I think all four sons work on the strip and carry on the the strip to this wow. day. And uh, Dick Brown, who created Hagar the Horrible, he used to draw High and Lois, which is a, a strip, another strip that Mort Walker created, and his sons carry on High and Lois with the Mort Walker's sons. So these strips probably should not be around anymore. Passing
0: them to sons seems especially not a great idea. Yeah,
1: because you know <laughs> that's some serious nepotism. Yeah, uh, and I don't read the current crop anymore. I don't mm-hmm. keep up with it. But uh, but those original dudes, Dick Brown and and Mort Walker, when they started, they were, you know that 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 was considered cutting edge comedy yeah. for its time. You know, mm-hmm. and. Um, and they they were they were they were great at what they did, but it's you know like anything, it's I think a comedy especially. I sh- I have a nine year old son, and I showed him uh, the original Ghostbusters just on Friday. Now I was obsessed with that movie uh-huh. when it came out, and uh, uh, you know because I was a kid when that came out, and um, it doesn't hold up. Yeah, <laughs> have you seen it?
0: I, I saw it fairly recently, and yeah, it does. It it, it really doesn't. There's that, and there's also I mean. A problematic thing is like the that blowjob scene, of course.
1: Yeah, well, that that's so. It's uh, there's nothing else on that level of raunch in right. that movie. Yeah. But but Bill Murray comes off as like a fucking you know rapist wannabe from yeah. frame one, and a,
0: just a total asshole, and a total yeah.
1: asshole. And it's not, and you're like, why is this guy? I mean, they actually threw lines in there, like, are you really a scientist? <laughs> but like, it's still not enough to 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 justify what the fuck he's doing in that movie but you know when i was a kid and i saw it it was just the it was the most hilarious thing and it was it was also a that kind of combination of of special effects adventure and comedy you didn't get much of that before that movie and it just now that's what fucking everything is right comedy adventure you know everything the rock is in is that is like that
0: yeah, I actually I saw Jumanji, the latest rock f- film, and I actually it wasn't that bad. That's what
1: I keep hearing. I, I haven't seen it.
0: Jack Black is very funny in it, mm-hmm. uh, but it does suck that like every comedy movie has to have that hook because I guess they're trying to sell it, you know, to foreign and to like kids, I guess too. Yeah,
1: they I, they got to do that for the foreign. Yeah, movies suck. Yeah, they're, they're horrible, great. and uh, great. it's a. Uh, I saw Black Panther yesterday. Mm-hmm. Amazing acting. Yeah. Uh, some good stuff in it but to me it's like oh okay now I'm I'm happy that African Americans can be in a boring superhero movie because right, yeah. it's just a piece of shit superhero movie where where blacks get to be in it and that's great mm-hmm. but it's not a great movie it's like because it, it's a superhero movie yeah. and they're fucking done I'm sick of <laughs> yeah. them they suck
0: it's it's fascinating how especially Marvel they've got this formula down where every movie is exactly the same quality yeah. yes where they're, like, they're, there's, like, the best Marvel movie, and the worst Marvel movie, are like, like there's very little difference. Very
1: little. And it's and uh, it's just, and they're all the same. It's just cookie cutter. Yeah. And, um But they have, you know, that's what they need to do to make their billions of dollars. Maybe yeah. More power to them, I guess.
0: I mean, have you seen the new Star Wars?
1: I saw, yes. And, uh, yeah, I don't want to sound like an old piece of shit, yeah. but I fucking, I was bored in that, too. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of it. I liked the first one, The Force Awakens. I, a lot.
0: I, I didn't like that one because I thought no. like that was just like a retread of everything. But I, and
1: for some reason, the retread I found yeah. exciting.
0: <laughs> I actually, <laughs> I, I really liked Rogue One. I thought Rogue I One. I thought was that was really, excellent. I thought that was really
1: good. Yeah, I really like that. I'm, yeah. I look forward to the solo. Yeah. One.
0: Well, we'll see.
1: Yeah, they could fuck that up. But well, whatever.
0: Yeah. They had a lot of behind-the-scenes mishaps with that. Mm-hmm. So you know. That's right.
1: Yeah, I've heard some of that shit.
0: Uh, wow. Anyway. Uh, were, were, what, what other comedy stuff were you interested in? Like, were you watching t- television shows? Or- so, yeah,
1: I was uh, big into Saturday Night Live. Um, back then, PBS would show reruns of Monty Python. So, I became uh. obsessed with them. And also, uh, Kids in the Hall, I was obsessed with. And um, I got to work with Dave Foley regularly on. Uh, I used to write for The Late Late Show back when another unknown. European white man was hosting it, Craig Ferguson. And uh, Dave Foley was one of our um, recurring uh, sketch people. So I used to write a lot of sketches uh, for him. And that was a huge fucking treat because I loved and still love the kids in the hall. Mm-hmm. They're incredible. You, know, you must know their oh, work. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they're amazing. So those were, um, I would say those were the SNL, Monty Python, Kids in the Hall, were the, my biggest like influences mm-hmm. um and would you know uh see anything that anybody involved in any of those casts were did mm-hmm. uh that was that was it for me that triumvirate
0: and uh were you when when you were like in high school were you like doing any like, comedy stuff like performing any like
1: uh, i did um when i was in high school i just did the plays Mm-hmm. and uh i when when i got out of high school and went into college and all that stuff that we all most of us do i guess um i wanted to be an actor i was still doing cartoons but becoming a syndicated cartoonist was impossible because mort walker and dick brown's sons were doing all the fucking comics mm-hmm. and you couldn't that's impossible to break into yeah. then and now there's no fucking newspapers so you, it's web comics like a fistful of babies Dot com, and um, I, uh, I, I, I was I got more and more into acting as uh, as high school went on, and um, so I and and comedic acting. So I did uh, like I was my eyes were were really opened to theater in when I did a production of Don't Drink the Water by Woody Allen, which is uh, which was a great play to do when you are you know seventeen years old. Uh, I played a 65-year-old man in it, but, you know, that's what, <laughs> that's what fucking baby powder is for. And uh, But I had a I, – I really – that got me inspired to do more comedic acting. And then uh, acting is hard, <laughs> and uh, getting other people to cast me was harder. Um, and then uh, when I found the UCB in New York – that's when I was able to get my really get my rocks off, uh, performing comedy and writing on your feet like that. I had never known, though I read everything I could about Dan Aykroyd and you know Bill Murray and John Belushi and all and all and Eddie Murphy later and all that. I uh, although he's a stand-up, it doesn't matter. But uh, Chicago, that whole idea of improv, I s- never understood what long form. Improv was and, until, of course, I took classes in it, and uh, I was like, "Where the fuck has this been my, my whole life? I wish this had been around." It's such an incredible art mm-hmm. and uh, or craft. I don't know what it's considered, but it's amazing. And um, that I, you know, I, I would. Ne- I'm I'm in the camp that UCB shouldn't be paying their performers, but I wish. That we lived in a world where you could make your living as a as a long form improviser because what an incredible uh, fun thing that is to do, mm-hmm. isn't it? And I don't get to do it as much as I used to, but I'm going to change that. goddammit. <laughs> um, did I answer the question? You did. Yeah, you did. <laughs> uh, how, how did
0: you discover UCB? Mm.
1: I um when I uh, let's see, I got out of college in the in well, I came back to <laughs> from grad school, which was I was in for like two years in the '90s, mid '90s, and that's right when you. I and I came back to New York, and I was like, All right, "I'm gonna make it! I'll try to do this acting thing," and that was impossible. And then UCB showed up, and uh, I was trying to do sketch comedy while UCB was getting their uh, feet wet here, mm-hmm. and that was uh very hard because you would put up these shows at like the duplex and rose's turn i don't even know if rose's turn is still around the duplex is still here in uh in the village Oh, okay yeah they you know it's a piano bar but upstairs oh, they yeah, would yeah. they would have they would rent out the upstairs and you could do yeah. like um sketch shows or one person shows and stuff like that and you could only ever get co-workers and your family to come to these things and then uh i finally when the when the ucb I I knew about them and I saw them do ASCAT and stuff when they were at Soho Arts, I think the place was called. When they finally got a theater, um, which was that porn theater, their very first yeah, yeah. theater, uh, that's when I was like, I got to, these guys are going to be around and they're amazing. And I got to take classes and just try to get better at this shit. And uh, so I started taking classes there. And then by the time I got put on a team, they had been kicked out. And they were in that interim theater, which was sort of in that area that I can't remember where that was. And then they went to, uh, and then they got the Gristides, uh place, and uh, and then I and, and I and then I got put on a house team when they were like pretty soon after they moved into that place, I think. Um, and it was just, but I was I would do, I would do uh, once I started taking those classes, I I created a or was part of a, a fringe group called Dark Champions with Chris Kula and Eric Scott and Sarah Burns and Angelique George and Risa, now Risa Harms. Uh, she was Risa Sangurai back then. And Alan Corey. And uh, we would m- force people to put us up everywhere we could. At Irish Repertory Theater used to have a, <laughs> a, a a night of improv and stuff. They would put us up all the time in this bar, Rafifi. Um, used to put us up and um anywhere and then uh and then luckily I was fortunate enough to get on a team and that way And I would do whatever show anybody wanted me to do ever at the UCB I didn't it didn't matter what it was it was just amazing I, I couldn't get enough of it I just uh I lived there I was married too and my my wife was very I'm not married anymore. Um but she was very uh very supportive of me during that time and I was like barely working and just spending. I was lucky that she was supportive of me because I was able to do a lot of uh, a lot of that theater. I mean I would I I was partly working so it was it was still uh, a pain in the ass. I don't. I don't know how anybody does it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't. It, it's. It's tough. Like I think, like to do it, to do it right, you got to really, you got to obsess over it. Mm-hmm. You know, and you got to make it. You got to make it breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You know. Yeah. I had to because I was that bad.
0: <laughs> what What was uh, the theater like like during that time?
1: The um. I mean, well, it was very, um, it felt like a uh, a giant playground that you could uh, do whatever you wanted in. And um, there was definitely the feeling of, you know, I want acceptance and, you know, I want Michael Delaney to notice me. And uh, um, most of my teachers were Delaney, Kevin Mullaney, Sean Comroy, um, I think that, I think those are the, uh, Julie, Julie Brister, uh, and they were all, all incredible. And then I would, I ended up in a couple of one-off workshops with Besser and, uh, Polar and, uh, well, I think all four of them, Walsh and, uh, and Ian Roberts, but I didn't get like uh, a full eight week course with any of those guys. Cause by then they were already, um, too busy mm-hmm. to offer that kind of stuff. Seth Morris was a, a longtime coach. John Daly, a longtime coach, of uh, our French teams. They were an, an amazing. Chad Carter, all of them, incredible, and uh, learned so much. And I want to hire them all again right now. <laughs> um, yeah, so it just felt like a big playground and like a. Uh, yeah, like really like there was it had that it had that feeling like all the all the poetic stuff of like this the, the sky's the limit kind of thing. Mm. Like you could do whatever you wanted to try to figure out where comedy can go, man. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And uh you know, and I don't so I I and maybe I was lucky that because I started and I wasn't even one of the earlier ones. Um I got in like where it was still it was kind of hard to get on uh, a house team uh now i can't even imagine it It must be impossible for and in la it just feels like a a factory out there um but that's just me speaking as a complete uh outsider because i'm 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 not in it enough i'll do uh you know shows here and there but i i have no idea what it must be like Mm -hmm. um but back then it felt like uh it was definitely harder. It was definitely hard. It was it was not an easy thing to get in there. But um, but it but it even being around it felt like a, a you're constantly playing. You're constantly playing. Constantly doing bits. I mean, that would drive me crazy now. But uh, but <laughs> I I couldn't get enough of bits back then. I loved talking. I loved not having real conversations and just <laughs> doing bits. Now I can't fucking do that at all. <laughs> Mostly because I just don't—I I don't have the energy to to do constant bits. You know, I'd rather save it for something I've, I want want to sell. <laughs> you know, it was fun, man. Oh, I wish I could get it back. God. Is that Patton Oswalt's real signature?
0: I uh, know that was just a, a friend at a party. Uh, just wrote that on my uh, thing as a bit.
1: Holy shit! It looks so real. It does. It does look this actually is, what you would think it would be. This is on Alan's refrigerator. Yeah, it, it says,
0: says uh, "Alan, you're the you're the best. I love you, Patton Oswalt." <laughs> yeah. Good bit. That's great. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's a bit. There's a bit. Speaking <laughs> of bits, uh,
0: so during that time, it was it was uh, mostly improv. There was no mod night.
1: So that's right. No mod night yet. They're doing yeah. sketch
0: classes mostly. There right? were sketch. So there, were? there
1: were sketch classes. I um, I don't. Did I take a sketch? Class? I think I took 101, um, but I can't even remember who taught that. I want to say Chad Carter, but I can't remember. But I wrote a ton of sketches. the The, the, the interesting thing for me because I I had been doing sketch um before i took ucb is i would spend a month on the same four sketches mm-hmm. and then put them up and i was i wrote with uh, other people so they would have four and i'd have four and you'd just you know nitpick at these four sketches for a month and then you'd put the thing up the show up for three nights and it'd be over and be like okay mm-hmm. and then i get to ucb and it, it was you do four sketch you write four sketches in a week you know and you would um they just, t- I, I guess I learned from just doing it there that you, it was not, not uh, disposable's not the right word, but that kind of feeling, I mean, well, disposable works for, because uh, they did a, a lot of late night, that that was very helpful to have that disposable feel, like, okay, we've got to write this and then it's gone, got to move on to writing something else. Mm-hmm. But that idea, that was f- completely foreign to me before UCB. I'd be like, what do, we need, what do you mean? We need, more, we need a, a month on this sketch. <laughs> Um, and the idea that you could just uh, wor- I could that I could work faster um, was it was incredible. It was an incredible uh, growth experience for me.
0: And, yeah. And the sketches that you were writing before UCB were they less like game intensive, and then after UCB they were more gamey? I
1: I feel like I mean I remember thinking about this back then that the sketches that worked before UCB looking at them you could see game in them Mm -hmm. and the sketches that didn't were me trying to go for a joke yeah yeah. uh for the joke's sake kind of thing or a myriad of fucking problems with them you know what i mean i i think yeah i feel like with the game uh that ucb teaches it it is just an avenue into um finding the funny right because the The problem I had to break myself of when I was at UCB was being too gamey where you could see mm-hmm. the game and then everybody in the audience could just mm-hmm. in unison tell you what the next line is because you're setting it up in such a way that it's so obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to break myself of that or at least I don't know if I have broken myself of that, but at least okay. be, on, be uh, uh, conscious of it.
0: Yeah, how do you break yourself of that? Because that's something I think, like, especially if you're going through classes, that's, like, considered a very commendable thing because you're very clear at the top of the sketch. Yeah. But, uh, obviously, once you start performing, like, if you're, like, doing a sketch, like, you don't want it to all just be pretty rote.
1: Yeah, you don't want it to be predictable. Right. Right. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I I know for me, I just need to... Uh, um. I'll, uh, I'll trust myself a little bit more in terms of just following w- w- the funny of it and see where that goes. And if it's not totally on game, mm-hmm. that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I remember very consciously when I was trying to break myself of that doing you, you know, the idea of like letting the game rest. So doing that, like going, Oh God, this game is oh, so I get the idea of what this game is right away. All right, let's, now let's not do that. Let's do, not do any jokes about that are on that game. But you see, even just talking about it, it feels like it gets very mathy. And yeah. you don't, you don't, the mathy thing is what fucking kills it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and this is why I love teaching. Cause I taught, I taught sketch for UCB for a while and, um, it, mostly in LA actually. And, uh, and I was, uh, I would always see that more teaching Because I would see other, I'd see the student sketches, and I'd be like, "Oh, this one finds the game. The game is so strong, and then they beat the shit out of it so quickly that everything that comes after it is so predictable." Mm -hmm. Um, So try to rest the game, but then that 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 can also create its own um, pitfalls. But it's definitely it definitely helps Mm -hmm. Uh, because because when you rest the game, you don't, and you know this from improv an improv scene when you rest the game right now you don't know where the fuck you're gonna go because you know what it you know what you found Mm -hmm. so where are you gonna go uh next and then that makes it exciting might might find another game in that yeah like that kind of that that stuff is really cool Mm
0: -hmm. i found lately when i've been writing sketches if i felt like it's being too predictable i just do like an absurd left turn yeah which uh sometimes good sometimes terrible
1: yeah a lot of the times, do you feel? Because my interpretation of that is, oh, I've hit the end. Yeah, um, That's the end of the sketch.
0: A little bit, yeah. When I when I say like, yeah, it when that that does happen as like a button almost to the whole thing. Yeah. Um And yeah, I don't know.
1: Sometimes, this is why I like comics because yeah. you can get the some of the best comic strips actually have a game in them, right? And yeah. then you get you just do the best joke. And it's over in four panels and you're done. Yeah, that's true. It, you know? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, but that doesn't help with 30-page scripts, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> that becomes a different... Well, like character game is... Yeah. Uh, you know, if a character is uh, interesting enough, right? He's going to have... He or she is going to have a couple of games. Mm-hmm. So those can always pop out in whatever the scene is. It can be several different things. Um that's that's another like that's good to think of. That's good for me to think that way when I'm writing longer stuff. But when but it it, it would it be helpful also when writing a sketch? Like why not have mm-hmm. this character have more than one dimension <laughs> to them? Yeah, that would be nice in some sketches. The kids in the hall are like incredible yeah. with that. You know, they have a, they had amazing characters that could play different notes mm-hmm. of comedy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's
0: like, a, like, just like in a mono scene in improv, like you have all the different, uh, there's so many different things in the air, there's so many different games that each character has and whatnot. Yeah.
1: It's kind of like that, I guess. Yeah, mono scene is a great, um, that's a great form to think of with sketch. Yeah? Yeah. I think, so. I think so. I mean, obviously you don't want your sketches to be that long, but right, yeah. if you can boil that down and find other avenues within the four or five pages of the sketch. Mm-hmm. That that you know a, a squashed mono scene, that's a good way to yeah. think of it. I think.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so one of your one of your first jobs that you had was at Celebrity Deathmatch.
1: Yeah, that was my first writing job ever.
0: How would you get that uh, job?
1: That was um, the internet was just beginning, <laughs> and a friend of mine uh, found uh, a, uh, a boutique literary agent who was. I had the call out on the internet's for uh clients she would read people anybody uh-huh. and um so my buddy and I had uh this is pre-UCB so uh he and I had been writing these sketches in this this other group and um he uh he said let's submit our stuff to her and we did and she took a chance with us and she was she's amazing she was amazing she was a jehovah's witness and that, that is a great quality to have in an agent yeah I can she would not stop she just every phone was a door yeah. that she was knocking on and she was relentless and she got us a meeting at celebrity Match, and we met the great eric fogel who i'm still buddies with today and um he uh he met with us and uh, his head writer, who I think was a guy named Matt Harrigan, who was great. I'm sorry, Matt, if I'm fucking up your last name. And, uh, and we, um, yeah, we wrote, a, we wrote several scripts for them for their, I think their last season or last two seasons, it might have been. And uh, yeah, and that, and that show was so great because I, I, I love, as, you, as I've said, I love cartoons and I love animation and stop motion is intense and awesome, and uh, and Fogle's super creative, and he he uh, you know because it was the end of that first first s- couple of seasons for them, they had been doing so many deaths that to come up with a new comical death oh, yeah. was very. You know, I we would go. My buddy and I would go in there, and we would pitch. And they did when well, we did that with Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> killed we killed Sigourney that way. And I remember, I still remember to, to this day that I came up with this death that he was just floored with that they hadn't th- they hadn't thought of, which was it was Helen Hunt versus this is going to date everything. Lily Sobieski, which I don't oh, wow, okay, think yeah. anyone remembers her, but she was like a Helen Hunt doppelganger she looked oh, a lot okay. like helen hunt so that was the whole point of the fight that helen oh, okay. hunt helen hunt was pissed that Lily sobieski <laughs> was an actress and looked like her so they wanted to kill each other and so the the fight move i came up with that they hadn't thought of yet <laughs> was <laughs> helen pushes all of leili they, they both had very long blonde hair helen pushes all of Lily's hair into her mouth stuffs it in her mouth that it comes out, it splits inside her head and comes out both her ears. Hair comes out both her ears, and then Helen Hunt grabs the her oh. Lily's hair that's coming out of her ears and yanks it, and her whole fucking head turns inside out and explodes. And Fogel was ecstatic for that that move, and uh, and but that took. I remember being like, we were like. We were there for like an hour trying to come up with a kill move because they had been through so many. And then they they brought the show back. Um, I remember seeing that they brought it back, and I was like, those poor bastards are going to have to come up with... New ways to kill. And that was such a fun show. And that was because that was sketch writing with violence. Yeah. Violence had to be in everything. And it was like, and it had to be like, uh, you know, it couldn't just be random. Right. You had to really think of a, a clever way to kill somebody, <laughs> you know, and injure them along the way to killing them. Like all of those moves had to be like yeah. thought out.
0: Were those, uh, was that show. Would you pitch like the celebrities or would they have the celebrities and you have to pitch like the fights and everything?
1: You would pitch, um, you would pitch the celebrities. Yeah. And you would pitch who, who would fight who and why. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I also remember they had a lot already of who they wanted to see fight. Yeah. Um, I remember Bill, I think I, yeah, we wrote Bill Maher versus Conan (laughs) O'Brien So Bill, I mean, Bill Maher... I remember that episode, actually. Do you? Yeah, because
0: like it was like a talk show episode, I think, or something. Yes, and then yeah. they
1: were doing... Nick and Johnny in the booth were yeah, doing yeah. their talk show stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, that... Because that was the other fun thing about that show, is that mm-hmm. Nick and Johnny would always have, like, their little runner of, of whatever was going on in right, that yeah. episode. My favorite episode ever was they did... Um, that we wrote on was the they did... The, it was during the OJ Simpson trial, um, and they were like, "We want to do an OJ fight, but we don't want." We, already OJ was done to death because mm-hmm. it was happening, so all the late night shows were doing jokes on it. So I don't remember who came up with it, but they said, "Why don't we do an episode where it's from the vault?" <laughs> this I think this was Fogel's idea. So it was uh, so it's like we're not going to do any OJ jokes. What we have, we have a, a we're going to show an old uh, celebrity death match from the 70s where OJ Simpson fought um, Joe Namath. <laughs> and folks, I know you're tired of OJ jokes. Don't worry. There aren't going to be any OJ jokes because this was the 70s. Nobody knew, you know, OJ was a different person. So then they, they pop, they pop the fucking tape in And they they show this fight from the from the vault. So we got to do jokes about what Johnny and Nick looked like in the 70s, Mm -hmm. which was great. You know, that that fun stuff. And then every fucking joke about O.J. was a was a murder joke. And I remember the joke I pitched was um, where's O.J.? He should be in the ring. He's over there. uh, He's hitting on that blonde woman. And then and they had Howard Cosell as a guest uh, commentator. (laughs) And Howard Cosell said, "Oh, that O.J. He's a real lady killer." <laughs> and it was jokes like that yeah. where you know we were just you know ragging him for being a murderer, but not knowing that he was going to murder. And that was a blast because yeah. you had to think backwards, and right, yeah, it yeah. was it was great. I love that was a great show.
0: That show was like, so good. I, that should come back now. I feel like I feel like it'd be such a big hit today. Yeah. Oh, totally. Especially there's so many like celebrity like youtube celebrities and stuff they're such
1: fun that's that's true with logan paul um that show yeah that show should never have gone off the air and should be it should be like the simpsons yeah because it feels like you could always just re-energize it with whoever the celebrities are right now
0: yeah yeah it's a great
1: show we went on to do uh, we went on fogel created another show that i got to work on called star valence that also had stop motion um and uh, that was a great, great show. But it was for the E! Network. And they didn't know what the fuck they were doing. Oh, yeah. So they had like, they wanted a comedy show. And he pitched this great show where it's these two characters that uh, they're they have they're nerds. They, and, and they're computer fucking geniuses. And they've put lipstick cameras all over the world. And if and so any celebrity incident that happens, we can show it to you. Oh, that's that's awesome. And then it was just a a great way to set up. Well, we're going to do a sketch about when mm-hmm. Vince Vaughn dated uh, Jennifer Aniston, or yeah. uh, when Angelina Jolie adopted her latest kid, or whatever. Whatever was in the in the news. The problem was, E loved the idea. Who wouldn't? It's fucking hilarious. Uh, and then they were like. <laughs> Oh, but we want to be able to interview these celebrities in real life, and if right. we make fun of them, they're going to get angry, and then we can. So the the notes on that were fucking abysmal, <laughs> abysmal. Um, but that show was Brian Tucker, who's on SNL. He was great, and me and Eric Scott and Katie Dipple, uh, who's a good friend of ours from the uh, from the UCB days, and it was it was just the four of us, I think, and Fogle, and it was so fun, and it was just like that that's another show i could have been like let's do this for decades yeah and you could have cuz the comedy engine of it was was very simple right mm-hmm. um wrong network wrong network
0: it, it is so weird when these uh networks try to get into comedy yeah and then uh you know it's usually not a great fit
1: no no, they because they're uh, they're fucking idiots. Celebrity <laughs> yeah. like, S-
0: Deathmatch that was on MTV. That was MTV, yeah. And they're they have a, a good good and bad past with comedy. They do. They do a lot of they develop a lot of great shows, but then they you, cancel. You,
1: you're too young for Syphil and Ollie. Have you ever heard uh, of no, that? That was that. like a fucking sock puppet. Uh, show Oh really? That was hysterical. Yeah. So I don't even know. I don't I didn't work on it or anything. I just know <laughs> that it existed and I laughed my ass off yeah. high watching this thing. <laughs> so good.
0: They did a uh Wonder Showzen?
1: Wonder Showsen's genius. Yeah, that's, that's the dude show. isn't half of that team uh, Archer? Isn't the guy uh, who do, does Archer the guy, one of the guys who did I'm Wonder Showzen sure. maybe? I don't know. I don't even know that dude's name though. But yeah. that 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 guy's great. Yeah, I loved Wonder Shows. Man, that that's was great show. funny.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen that in forever, but it was, it was awesome.
1: Yeah, well, that's a while ago.
0: Yeah, it's like 10, 10 or so years ago. At yeah. least, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Wow.
0: Um, so after you're working on uh, on these two shows, uh, what were you up to?
1: I um, so what I I worked on those here in New York. And um, then I would did I I'd do a lot of kids back then. I did kids, and I I still do kids when I can. Animated shows; those shows, the best of the kids animated, are just as funny mm-hmm. as anything adult oriented. Because the ones that are smart about it, like SpongeBob and Steven Universe and Adventure Time um, and Uncle Grandpa, they know that the real money is in all ages. If you, which is what Pixar does, right? Mm-hmm. And the best of Disney is they know how to be funny for the four quadrants, as the execs <laughs> like to say. And um, so I, I love working on that stuff when it's when it's like that. And um, uh, So I would do freelance uh, kid stuff um, in New York, mostly stuff that never saw the light of day. I'm trying to think if there was anything that I worked on that was—I can't remember—but I m- the stuff I do remember n- never made it. But it was fun to work on. So it, I would try to get those kinds of jobs, and then I would, um, and then I would. Uh, I'm just assuming you want career stuff because we could talk emotions. Oh, yeah. Like, we could talk stuff, like <laughs> <laughs> we could talk about my marriage back then. Like, I never spent any time with my wife. Um, I, uh, yeah, so it was, it was, uh, that, and then I would do, um, uh, I would do, uh, audition a lot for commercials Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then I'd be lucky enough to get a commercial here and there. And then the, my life then this is, I didn't move to LA till like 2006, that whole 2000 to 2006 area was doing UCB constantly, uh, writing freelance comedy where I could and, um, and doing commercials and that's how I was able to mm-hmm. make a living and enjoy life. And it was, if that had continued until death, I would be a happy man. Um, but, uh, I had, um, but I had, but I got asked to submit to uh, Ferguson and then uh, got it and then uh, moved to LA and then mm-hmm. my whole, I'd never been, I would go out to LA for meetings and I would do occasional writing like uh, quick writing gigs for like a week or two in mm-hmm. LA for stuff that didn't also didn't get off. The, a lot of like development stuff. Yeah. And, um,
0: it's crazy how much like, that's like a whole industry of like writers development, development. Oh yeah. Development. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy there's writer, like writers out there who are like, man, they don't have a single credit, but they're like working constantly. Yeah.
1: And the, and then you get, and then there's, if you don't get, if you start to not get stuff produced that affects your career as well. Like whether you get hired for that stuff anymore, like it's, uh, it is pretty crazy how much money they throw it at at that stuff.
0: Yeah. That doesn't make any sense.
1: (laughs) No. Well, you know, like with web series and stuff, when that's started to come along, that started to make them go, well, why don't we just buy the like broad city? Why don't we just brought buy the, this web series that is good Mm -hmm. and let them do a television show. Cause that'll probably be good. Yeah. Right. And then, and then the development is done for free for them because those two were already doing the web series for the because they wanted to do stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, so some of them have gotten that. Some of them have gotten that idea, like we'll just buy web series. Right. Um, I don't know how many web series are getting bought for that. Yeah, it feels like that, that
0: time is kind of done. Yeah, there's less web series. Probably. And there's
1: the Facebook uh, article. Uh, yeah, former about, guest Matt Kleinman wrote that. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, uh, I I've only read half of it so far. It was so fucking depressing. Yeah, it is. It is a but bummer. but that's kind of like my my understanding of it is that well, Facebook is and their fucking algorithms or whatever mm-hmm. are deciding what you watch. Is that really Dude, what? Yeah, it they're is?
0: deciding what gets seen by people and like the news feed or whatever.
1: So that's that's basically what life was like before the internet. Which was, there were six fucking people, yeah, most, I mean, mostly guys, that uh, white white old white yeah. men, who decided what the public saw. Yeah. And that's happening now on the internet. So there is no meritocracy on the internet anymore. No, yeah. So what the fuck do we do about that? Because that sucks.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's, that's an interesting question. I guess, um, I mean, Facebook, uh, if Facebook goes away, that helps. But, but
1: wouldn't another Facebook just replace it? Like yeah. that that it's this whole algorithm thing. I it reminds me of when I was at MTV working on um something there that wasn't Deathmatch, something else that I can't remember. But it was comedy related. I remember that we were looking for um another writer or two. This is two twenty thirteen ish. And uh they pulled up the Twitter, the old Twitter. Mm-hmm. And they were, and I remember seeing one of the producers read a potential person, uh, reading their tweets and not laughing at all. And then going, well, they do have 25,000 followers. <laughs> and I was like, Oh shit. They figured out, you know, yeah. that that's what they, cause this shit is all fucking ephemeral and elusive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's subjective. That's the word I'm looking for. And, uh, they hate that because they Wall Street took the fucking town over and they want, it, they want real hard, cold facts, right? Mm. And Twitter comes along and goes, well, we can assign a number yeah. to this person's comedy writing. And, uh, and I remember that being like, oh, this is great. Them being like, this is great. He's got 25,000 followers. And that's kind of what it is now
0: it's it's actually like even worse like people look oh at like, good at like, how's yeah. it worse <laughs> well people look at like there's now like whole like movies that are just getting cast based off like instagram followers is that right that's like that's a total thing oh, now right? if don't... you have like a million followers you can get cast in a movie without like even auditioning really yeah they get like offers i think to star in movies like like, like little movies but they you know they they, they make but money they back. happen yeah
1: see i had to stop reading deadline hollywood um <laughs> literally i stopped reading it like eight years ago because it was just making me so infuriated like that infuriates me yeah (laughs) i can't you know i gotta you know i have to be a dad and i can't i can't get angry (laughs) i can't let myself get angry about that stuff that's horrible
0: yeah yeah it's it's a a weird time to be doing anything in the entertainment industry yeah it's a bad time not weird it's bad
1: it's just flat out bad yeah and that's so your generation is feeling i'm sorry to peg you as your the spokesman is your generation but would you say that you're like like uh most of your cohorts in the comedy business excuse me well i half a vomit during that (laughs) sentence sorry um would you say that most of your cohorts feel the same way like this is ridiculous like or is it more like i've got to get a better instagram
0: Uh, it's ridiculous more because it's you know i mean just uh two or three years ago i mean you had uh you know funnier die was going right uh, above average was going right right all these other places and so i a mean ca- uh
1: comedy uh campus humor college humor oh
0: college humor yeah well, it was just still going but like in a different i don't know they are doing a different thing but um, oh, okay uh, i have no idea i have no finger on the pulse keep going and then, like, uh, if you look at, like, like on, like, it basically digital comedy has, like, was a job for people, like, a couple years ago, and now it's, like, seemingly no longer a job. And yeah. that was many people's first steps into, like, getting paid to do comedy. Right. So, uh. So you could
1: write for Funny or Die and then move on to uh, a television show, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, yeah, plenty of people uh, did that, you know, right. five or six years ago. Right. Uh and so now it's it's just harder to even break through. I think that's maybe part of the reason why, like the UCB controversy, has been coming up more and more about uh, paying performers or not, because so, people are really upset that they're doing comedy and they can't get money.
1: Wow! So it's really out of the uh, desperation of of there are no places to make money in comedy yeah. if you're if you're in your generation, your age. Yeah, I think. I, I think mean, there's none always... in my generation yeah. either. It's like you have to it's like fucking feast or famine but right it's uh but you that's that's your feeling that's my it, take on it yeah is that it's um uh that's that's interesting because I mean yeah because when I I could see um yeah I could see like if you're a young person and you look at like the UCB's got to look like a monolith I, is I don't know know if that's the right word like a fucking massive mm-hmm. f- institution that mm-hmm. makes a lot of money mm-hmm. Which I don't even see it like that still because I'm stuck in the early twos, um, so that's got to be weird. Like you're like, I want that. I'm just thinking out loud.
0: I mean, the cool thing about UCB is that they do. Uh, I think they have a lot of money, but they do spend that money on the theater, which is great. They do, yeah. Like that, yeah. The, you know, that massive building on Sunset, the new theater. I'm sure it costs money to like move out of that theater to the new theater. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean. Uh, you know, ticket prices go up, class prices go up, people get a little upset. Like I understand that. Yeah. But um, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, because I remember Besser was like, "We want it to be cheaper than a movie." Is it still cheaper than a movie?
0: Uh, well, it's funny. I have a movie pass, which is uh, <laughs> ten. You pay ten dollars a month. I know movie pass. Yeah. So oh. uh, well, not for me. <laughs> not for me. That's funny. Uh, they but, should have
1: a comedy pass. Yeah. Right. For for UCB <laughs> and the Magnet and Pit all those guys yeah They're, that'd be crazy yeah <laughs> you make no money on that yeah. whoever creates that yeah don't go off and create that <laughs> um so that so what are the venues now when you're starting out like if you if you're to do a if you're starting out do you do a web series do you even bother with that
0: um i don't know you know i don't i don't know i've thought about it i think uh for me i've always thought just too much work <laughs> yeah and i don't really have a good idea for one it feels like so much work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, now uh, YouTube changed, like, another thing. Like, YouTube changed, like, the way they make money. Or like, the way ads work on there. Yeah. So now you have to have, like, 100 hours to start making ad money.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. It's, like, it's, like a new recent thing. You have, like, to, you have to have done 100 hours before they'll even allow you to make the ad yeah, money? Yeah, yeah. Holy shit.
0: Which is, yeah, it seems uh, not good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I don't know.
1: It feels like if you were... If you were into comedy and mm-hmm. you're writing, com- and you love writing comedy, but you also like editing, filming, blah, 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 then you're, you're home free. Because you're going to yeah. want to do web series. Like, I could never do a web series because I don't give a fuck about pointing a camera at anything. Like, I, and I, I don't know how to. Like, I could, you know, I saw this movie on Netflix, Tangerine. Oh, you heard yeah. Of this? yeah, I saw that. Yeah. That was made on uh on the iPhone. Yeah. Fucking awesome. It was I love that movie. Mm-hmm. And uh it doesn't look like it's on an iPhone. Mm-hmm. If I did a movie on an iPhone, you would know it was on a fucking iPhone, <laughs> but whoever made that movie, that person loves making a, a movie. They love everything about that. So that's why you don't that's why it doesn't look like it's on an iPhone. Like mm-hmm. so that person, whoever they are, g- can get away with it. You know, that's what you really, that's what it feels like you have to be. You have to wear so many hats. Uh, I, I'm wearing the wrong fucking hats, Al. I'm actor and writer and uh, fucking uh, old man. Like, the, these are the wrong, old man hat. Like, these are the, <laughs> these are the, I, uh, I, I did that. I did that. Um, I, uh, those are the wrong hats. You should be wearing director hat and, and uh, lighting yeah. designer hat. Yeah. And, you know, that's what those are the hats you need. Plus comedy writer and comedy actor. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, certainly. I'd say comedy writing is not valued right now. In no. The well, you yeah. know,
1: of course, Twitter cheapens that. Right. Because yeah. it feels like any Twitter has created the world's largest room comedy writing. room. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's all it's watered everything down, hasn't it? I mean, it's just it, it makes you just have less respect for people who can write a good joke. I think.
0: Um, Well, I would say... Well, I would say... I think I find some of the funniest stuff that I like consume is on Twitter. Is like just jokes on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, But that's usually weirder stuff that you wouldn't... Like not like topical humor or anything like that.
1: Right. Um, Well, then you... That's the other... That brings up another point, which is it used to be that you've... I'm speaking from late night experience. mm -hmm. It used to be that you value the uh, person who can write... The comedy in the host's voice, right? Right. And uh, that doesn't happen anymore. First of all, Twitter is like... uh, You can find the people whose voices you love, and they may not be mainstream. And a lot of times, I bet bet they're not for Mm -hmm. most people. So you can't... Trying to find that mainstream audience um, who's the the four major networks are looking for that and that's about it right everybody right. else is trying to go into into uh their niche hunting mm-hmm. right yeah um uh, i'm just trying to figure it out out <laughs> loud with you here
0: yeah no i'd love to figure it out right now <laughs>
1: <laughs> um cuz i can't even read twitter anymore cuz yeah. everybody's tweets look they're all they all feel the same to me Yeah,
0: I mean certainly, uh, you know, Trump's had that effect on Twitter where he's he's ruined it for everybody. Yeah, for like by being himself on that on the account and then everyone talking about him all the time. Yeah,
1: and it's it's too much. Yeah, yeah, it's overwhelming.
0: I think I I went to like I think on Twitter there's like a discover tab and then it like has like a list of like like so they have like a list of like things like different groups yeah to like comedians uh huh. And literally every comedian was just talking about Trump, like very seriously. <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, I guess that's that's what Twitter is now." Oh God, that's so depressing.
1: Yeah. Excuse me while I belch some more. <laughs> um. Uh, what? Where were we?
0: Uh, you just got hired for the Ferguson show.
1: Oh, yo, oh, You were going through my timeline yeah, still. Yeah, we're going through your timeline. Yeah. Line. So uh, I'm on Ferguson, and he was interesting because he did not. He had an, uh he had an interesting way to do the monologue, yeah. which was he wanted to do it in a storytelling way, but still try to keep it topical. So, um, so that was I, I. I would I started to get jealous of the Conan writers who it felt like they could write whatever the fuck they wanted because yeah. Conan was all about. Um, Conan was like UCB on television, you know. I mean, he just he he wanted to experiment and still does, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and Craig had like a very it was a very narrow window because it had to go through his life experience um, a lot of the time. So, uh, but the but that said, we still got to do a lot with that show, and I got to do. I got to perform a lot on that show, and he was very good to me that way. And I got to pretend to be him. And uh, uh, I did that for like uh, two or three – I was there six years, which is too long for any show. You should uh, – a manager once told me that you – on television, you should only ever be on a show for two years max. Really? And then leave, yeah, because it's just too – you start to get sick of everybody and you probably learned everything you're going to learn on that show mm-hmm. and that was definitely true for me but i was having too much fun and and there's money involved and a kid was born and all that <laughs> shit so i just stayed and uh but then he he stopped doing sketches I helped create that robot sidekick of his and he fucking... That was supposed to be like a week and he fell in love with it and the and then he made it, made it sentient. And originally it was just like recordings of Craig did the voice mm-hmm. and he would hit a button and a, a random line would come out that we would write and then he would riff off of that because he was amazing. and still is amazing at riffing. And uh, and then he, he went, I'm going to make it s- sentient. And so he hired uh, Josh Robert Thompson to play him and... Oh God, Josh, I hope I said your name right. And, uh, he plays, he played Jeff, uh, the robot sidekick. And then that was it. There was no sketches, no nothing, like barely a monologue. He just yeah. wanted to talk to that fucking robot the whole time. And, you know, it was, it had its good, and it, like anything, it was good and, and, and bad, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was it. He had sort of, I think he was done with late night and, uh, and then so was I and then I left. And then from there I went to DreamWorks and I worked on, uh, the reboot of Mr. Peabody and Sherman mm-hmm. and then I was developing a property of theirs that I can't talk about and then I left that to come to New York to write on the President show mm-hmm. and that's what I'm working on uh now-ish uh, it, we're in limbo right now but
0: go- going yeah. back to Ferguson real quick
1: I just had to get through the timeline. Because once you told me what the goal was, then I, and I finally, my brain listened (laughs) to you. I had to get us up to date right to now. Then I came here.
0: Uh, So the monologue, you, the writers would write that. uh, Yes. Oh, interesting. I I never knew that because Ferguson would always, he famously. The
1: genius of that dude is that he makes, yes, he tears it. You're making a tearing up motion. He, um,. He makes—he's a great actor. Mm-hmm. He really is, and he's a great writer too. He's very mm-hmm. funny—a very funny writer. And uh, he makes—he um, makes everything that he reads uh, seem like it's coming out of his brain for the first time. He's really good at that. So what we would do is our days were uh, in the morning. We'd get in, and he would pick from the writer's assistant would write up a news menu for him of what the top stories are that Craig would probably like. Craig would pick one and then we would the head writers would assign us um, what the topic was and then the parameters of the topic don't hit this, hit this more than mm. this and that kind of thing. And then we would just basically write um, for two hours, I think it was uh, as many jokes as we could that would fit the body of the sketch mm. and then hand those in. And then while they were picking those, in the meantime the head writers are sculpting what they think the monologue is going to be. Then they picked the jokes from what we handed in that fit the thing that they were creating. And while they're doing that, then we wrote. We would just spend the next hour and a half. I think it was writing straight up topical jokes, and which so we were doing it backwards because we would write the for the main body of the monologue first, and then Wrightwood would come at the top oh, of I the see. monologue yeah. last. Mm-hmm. Um, and from so he would start with a couple of topicals, and then lead into it and then use a topical that would lead into the mm-hmm. to the body of the of the uh monologue mm-hmm. and then um we would in the begin, when I first started writing there we had three meetings a day where we, we would meet with him first thing in the morning at like nine nine in the morning and go over the news menu with him and then go out go to our desks and come up with stuff then come back at like one I think it was he would look at it then pitch we would pitch more on that, and then, at like three or three thirty, he'd look at it again, but after i think halfway through my time there he we wouldn't meet him till three o'clock in the afternoon because everybody had kind of gotten his voice and everything, and um he didn't need much time with it uh to the point where we got very used to him just being he this is great, this is great, this is great. And then one day, he's like, this is horrible. Let's write the whole thing again at (laughs) 3 o'clock in the afternoon. (laughs) So we all that's when we all had to be – that's when I knew I was a professional because I was like, oh, Jesus, here we go. What's it, Starbucks? All right. And and pitching jokes uh, in the room, uh, which we did a lot of in the beginning when I started there and then got away from, and then that one time (laughs) got back to – um, but I think there were a, a little bit more than one time that that happened. But, uh, and then he would, and then while he was, uh, rehearsing, if I wasn't in the rehearsal, uh, I would be writing with either myself or, um, a, a guy named Joe O'Brien, uh, who's also a UCB, uh, person. Um, he also wrote on that show and we would write a lot of, a lot of sketches together. And, uh, so we'd be writing stuff for the coming days. Mm-hmm and uh, to stock up on the sketches that way. That was pretty much our routine there.
0: How would you generate ideas for those sketches?
1: Um, they would be, I mean, obviously the news, whatever was going on in the news, but it always had to be uh, filtered through Craig, right? So, um, and he, and Craig's a citizen of America now, but at, when I started, he wasn't. So he was very self-conscious of attacking the country, shitting on the country with, and being a foreigner because the country was very good to him. You know, so he felt weird about that. So he he had a real touchy feely weirdness with uh, a a lot of topical stuff. So that was uh, difficult to dance around. But when he became a citizen, it was it was easier. I think he became one. after my second year there. Um, so we we would always try to find new stuff that we could gear towards him. So, for example, like Oprah Winfrey, I remember in, I think it was 2010 maybe, um, it came out that she had a half-sister. And that was, like, big news at the time. Oh, my God, Oprah has a – and is it a real half-sister or is she bullshitting, you know? And it turned out she was real. So I pitched myself as Craig's half-sister. <laughs> so uh, we, did a, we did a few um, – they weren't even sketches because he, he, was, he was like, let's just – because I had done so many sketches with him. He's like, let's just improvise it. Oh, wow. So I got to improvise with him. And the fucking robot, which was <laughs> on stage there too. And uh and it was it was fun. It was it was fun. We did like and we did like three or four or five or six of those. Um that can't that so that was something that was what's in the news that we can now um work backwards to generate ideas for Craig. Oh, Craig will have the half sister. Mm-hmm. Um that's an easy one, yeah. you know. Um,
0: what's it like improvising um like a, in front of like a crowd for television
1: um i I remember being um not as, I was shocked at not being as nervous as I thought I would yeah. be and it was because he's so good so I could be like I could do whatever I remember ben you know Ben schwartz mm-hmm. um, another UCB person he came on as a guest a couple of times uh after i left the show and he and we were talking and he said uh it's so it's so easy with him he's so he makes you it's just he's a good partner and uh i don't i, I know he came to do some stuff some improv at the ucb in la mm-hmm. uh, which i didn't see but um but like that's his i mean he's just very good at that so i i remember being like I was scared before I got on because I was like, what the hell are we going to do? And I was, (laughs) and it was so clear I was a man that I was like nervous about how that's going to come across, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And I'm sure it was, you know, I'm sure it was offensive in some (laughs) regard. But uh, um, he, uh, but then as soon as I sat down with him, it was, you know, because he's, he's fun, you know. Um, So that was, yeah, it was not that bad. It was enjoyable, in fact, and fun.
0: Uh so what made you decide to leave the show?
1: A mutual uh, ag- yeah. agreement between us. Yeah, they <laughs> were de- the show was in a downsize mode anyway. Mm-hmm. I think he knew that he do- didn't want to come back. So the uh, uh or not not come back, but I think he knew he was done with um he was going to give up being a host. Mm-hmm. Uh he was done with late night. Um so I left about He
0: he's, he never seemed like he really enjoyed it. Uh
1: uh, towards the end for sure. Yeah. But he yeah. was,
0: uh, I mean, he was incredible. I think shows were awesome. I
1: always thought he was one of the best yeah. ones that did it because what he did, the thing that I think is the hardest thing to do, which is make the guests seem entertaining. I
0: mean, the interviews were always like some of the best parts of the show. Yeah. yeah.
1: And it's like the, the only other person in my opinion that made the guests entertaining was Letterman. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone else can I don't and I don't watch any of it now so I m- maybe someone's doing a great job but I uh I don't watch enough of uh, let's put it this way when I watch it I never, I fast forward through the guests yeah, yeah. I don't even give the host a chance to show <laughs> me that they are good at making this boring piece of shit fucking yeah. funny With um, with
0: Letterman I he he would always kind of almost be like, like making fun of the guests a little bit yeah. at times and with Ferguson, it like there was like an actual like they were like together doing it, which was interesting. Yeah,
1: and he's like he likes to play. Yeah, he would make them do um, uh, like puppet shows and shit with him. Right. You yeah. Know? Like I, that's why when I when Anthony was doing President show and then I met on it, I was like, this is like what Ferg- Ferguson would have done. You know, if he had it's Pee Wee's. Playhouse, right, yeah. Pee Wee's political playhouse. Oh, that's
0: an interesting way to put it. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense actually. And that's
1: totally what Anthony's doing, and uh, and and Peter Gross, and uh, that's what Craig, Craig fucking loved Pee Wee's Playhouse, and it, it showed. Like he loved fucking around, yeah, you know, and he liked to get the guests to fuck around with him, and I think a lot of the times the guests enjoyed that and wanted to come back for that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, yeah, he just, but he's a restless dude. So yeah, he had to move on (laughs) and I'm a restless dude. So I, I moved on. Um, and, uh, yeah. And that's like when I left, I, I teach the workshop for the late night writers workshop on that NBC does. Uh, it came out of, um, I left Ferguson and, uh, I think I had left by then. And, uh, I hadn't taught in a while and then I forget how I got that meeting but it uh but then I met with Karen Horn who runs um Late Night in Bur- uh, out of their Burbank office and and uh I taught a topicals class at UCB. There was like a four uh four classes specialty class or whatever they call it and um and I was like, "Oh, I could do this for the workshop cuz I missed late night you know Mm -hmm. but it is a fucking grind man that was a daily show you know which was it's it's just it becomes you know what it is it becomes repetitive right because you're doing your your um george bush's fucking stupid joke becomes joe biden's or sarah palin's stupid or joe biden's stupid or you know what i mean and it it uh and now i can't i mean like i i i'm i was so lucky to be working on the president show because this is such a different fucking angle to come at this stuff mm-hmm. with um that it doesn't feel like i'm doing late night yeah you know mm-hmm. uh it's like these crazy character games mm-hmm. even though it is in a late night format um but yeah uh so yeah so so what? and so when i left ferguson i was kind of burnt out on the late night stuff and then i went back to my animation roots mm-hmm. and uh was fortunate enough to get this uh the the dreamworks gig which was fun
0: and yeah you and you're working at uh, mr Peabody and Sherman. yeah and you you became the head writer of that show
1: i did indeed you did your research yeah. young man
0: <laughs> uh what's it like being a head writer for like an animation show
1: it's uh it was a lot of fun um the people i worked with were great we got to work with the board artists um and it was it was a hybrid show so we would write these detailed outlines and then they would go and storyboard that and then we'd come back and then punch up their script so it was you were going back and forth finding these finding the story and the comedy together but uh our boss there uh was really great at structure and um and comedy i mean he's very he's very good and he uh he he packed a lot of story into those uh, those episodes, and I learned a lot on uh, working on that show. Uh, so I was basically um, I was mimicking him yeah. <laughs> as the head writer, like just trying to do my best version of him. Uh, but it, yeah, I I loved it there, and it's um, especially getting to work with cartoonists because as if you've been paying attention, I wanted to be a cartoonist. <laughs> And I do cartoons. A Fistful of Babies dot com. <laughs> I'm an asshole.
0: Uh, did you have to familiar, familiarize yourself with like the the lore of uh, Mr. Peabody and Sherman?
1: Um, I uh, used to get high in college and watch them on VHS tapes. Uh, I was uh, I love Jay Ward. And so I used to watch the Rocky and Bullwinkle show a lot. Uh, so I knew it. Um, I knew the characters and stuff, and that and it didn't. It wouldn't have really helped anyway to uh, investigate that stuff too much because those cartoons, the Peabody and Sherman on Rocky and Bullwinkle, were only three minutes long, and these were uh, half hours. Right. That were really two eleven minutes that had nothing to do with each other, but they inter- were interwoven into each mm-hmm. other. Uh, so the characters had to be expanded somewhat to. Uh, fit that length. Um, and the, uh, the time travels had to be because we were doing, I think we did like 78 episodes or something like that. Um, or maybe 56 or so. I I don't know. It was a lot. That's a lot of, uh, that's a lot of time travels. That's a lot of, that's a lot of history, uh, figures in history. Right. Mm -hmm. So you couldn't do like the standard, like it's Lincoln, you know, it's oh, George Washington is a liar. You know, and they got to fix it and make him honest again. It, we had to dig a little deeper into uh, into uh, history, and then our boss was he, he. He came from movies, and he loved loved movies, and he was looking for those kinds of tropes. So, like, we would do stuff like I'm the, um, one episode I wrote that I pitched too was George Stevenson, who created the first. Uh, not the maybe the first railroad. I can't remember. It's a little bit more specific than that. But I pitched it as a runaway train episode. Oh, okay. so they they get the guy, uh, and they, what's and they, they always have to have a flaw. And his flaw is he's cheap, and because he's cheap, he never paid for brakes. So the train's just going to keep fucking yeah. going. And then we ha- that's one of my favorite episodes. And the and uh, the uh, the guy who boarded that. Um, was amazing, and um the guy who directed it uh, it was just everything came together on that episode and i I loved it uh, it was that it was finding that kind of stuff
0: uh, so when you're writing animation uh for kids, you kind of mentioned this earlier mm-hmm. but uh what what's like the big like differences between between writing animation versus writing live action besides like the obvious like formal differences?
1: Um, in terms of the material itself yeah, or, yeah. uh, well, the first big thing is you can't do anything with sex with kids. Right. They can't. And I guess some of these shows I I've heard adventure time has put some sex kind of stuff yeah. in there, but that's usually the biggest, the biggest taboo. Uh, obviously you can't curse either, but, uh, but, um, you can't, you can't curse on network TV. So. Uh, So there. Uh, It's really the sex thing. And then I would say like the biggest uh, challenge, uh, which is different from live action, is not making the female characters boring because the problem you always run into, or the challenge, if I'm being positive about it, is the executives are very... Sensitive to female characters being anything but heroes. Okay. So it's very hard to do a female character that has quirks because there's the execs are so sensitive to that coming off as us bashing women. And this has been around since I started. It has nothing to do with me too or any of that. Mm. Like in two thousand. One or two, I remember working on a show where it was like we wanted to make a, a girl character, uh, I remember it was something like psychic or whatever, and they were like, oh, it's going to look like she has a... Girls are mentally ill. All girls are <laughs> mentally ill. Like I was doing to you earlier saying, you're the spokesman of your generation. Right. <laughs> That's how every exec treated and still treats, and some, not everywhere, but and in, in, I've seen enough of it where it still happens they treat every female character like they're the spokes girl for all girls everywhere. Yeah. So the boys end up getting uh the the boy characters end up getting the funniest stuff because mm-hmm. they're you know it's a weird sort of thing. They want to be protective of of bashing uh uh women, but they it can be restraining to the point where the character is boring. So we were able to push through at Dreamworks they were really Good about this, I thought, um, and we were able to push through on a lot of that because uh, we had like, we did Annie uh, Annie Oakley and she was uh, she shoots off at the mouth right, was yeah. her flaw, okay. and then that literally her mouth becomes a gun at the end, and, <laughs> um, and uh, so we could do quirky women, which was which was good, and because uh, that you know we're all fucking freaks, yeah, yeah. no matter what your gender or race is. Why would you want you don't want to water that down you know you can watch you can be a freak and not smack an entire gender (laughs) at the same time you know or or, um uh represent them in a in a poor way right Mm -hmm. but i always feel like that is like one of the you never get that in live action Mm -hmm. um and the thing that's the same is they expect the best shows especially expect the same level high level of comedy for a kid's show as they would at live action. yeah, And it's, I think the, um, you know, I think the the uh, uh, stereotype, of course, is you hear kid's show and you're like, oh, it's dumbed down for kids. And that's not true. Most shows want to be, most of those shows want to be as funny as uh, blackish, you know? And they, they just don't want you to mention race <laughs> when you do it. <laughs> um, so it makes it tougher. And I think it's... I, Robert Crumb, you know him, he's an underground cartoonist, right? And filthy, he's a filthy yeah. motherfucker. And Charles Schultz, uh, Peanuts, right? And they they were on a panel or something together, or, or maybe they were asked this individually. But uh, Robert Crumb said, I could never do what, what Schultz does, but Schultz could do what I do.
0: Oh, and it's tougher
1: and it's tougher for it's tougher to get like that's a it's a it's a real challenge to get good comedy out of out of stuff that, like Peanuts, which is hysterical. And it's, um, you know, the comic strip back to comic strips. He, he for me, his only lame period was the 1980s. Mm-hmm. I mean, their fan of is collecting the entire um, run of his strip all 50 years. So now you you kids can go out and buy that and it's so good. But his last 10 years before he died, brilliant, hysterical stuff. Funny, really funny, yeah. but it's people don't think of that because they think of fucking Met Life commercials with the Peanuts characters, right. and you know it was all that watered it all down. But he did the strip until the end, and he and he was a funny dude. That stuff is funny. The Peanuts strips in the '60s. I feel like such a fucking old cranky man, but that shit is funny. I don't care what anyone fucking says. That's where comedy is, Alan. The '1960s Peanuts strips—they're fucking funny. Everything, even Chris Chris Rock said, I don't care who you are. If you're me, meaning Chris Rock, or or Ray Romano, whoever, everybody, or or uh, 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 God, who am I trying to think? Ke- Kevin Hart. I don't care who it is. You all have to have a little Henny Youngman in the <laughs> middle there. Because Henny Youngman represents what comedy is. It's set up punchline, yeah. right? And it's like it's that's the purity of it that everybody else gets to bounce off of, or grow from, right? And Chris Rock recognized that that guy knows comedy, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so Henny Youngman, peanuts, it's all the same, right?
0: Yeah. Well, the 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 football joke is a very yeah. just simple. That's like what comedy is. Yes,
1: that's exactly that's yeah. simple building blocks of comedy right there. That yeah. football joke, yeah.
0: Uh, so you were just recently working at the President Show. Yes. How did you get hired for that job?
1: Uh, I, I uh, They called me in. They knew I was in New York, um, and I met with them. I knew Anthony because he came up right behind me at UCB, and so we used to perform together. And he reminded me of this, that I used to coach his uh, first uh, Herald team that I'm already forgetting the name of. Um and uh, I think he's hysterical. Always have. And uh, I, um, you, uh, you know, I I would see him here and there. But I, he was in New York, and I was in L.A. And then I came back, and uh, I got a meeting there. And then I had to meet like the other people uh, that were running the show that I didn't know. I didn't I didn't know uh, before that show. Well, I, I, a little bit I knew Peter Gross, but I didn't know Christine Nangle and I didn't know Jason Ross. And J.D. Amato, and so I had to meet those guys, and uh, then from that, um, I got hired.
0: And, and you joined in the middle of the season, right?
1: I joined, yeah. Uh, episode, uh, I think it was the eighth, seventh or eighth episode. Yeah.
0: What was it like joining like, an existing room? Uh,
1: it was, um, it was fun. Everybody there was super accommodating, and uh, you know. I could put this in some kind of context. Going when I I came on that show, like in the like I said, the seventh or eighth episode, and everybody was super great. And I knew some, like John Gemberling was there, and I knew him already uh, from years ago at UC, meeting him at UCB. Uh, and he was leaving as I was coming in, and um, but everybody else there, including him, were super welcoming and fun and whatever. And then that compared to starting on Ferguson, I only knew Joe O'Brien. Who I mentioned before, but I didn't know anybody else, and they were uh, a little bit more uh, not as accepting. Yeah, not as accepting. Kind of like prove yourself. Yeah, you, you know, before we uh, before we let you into this, and I'm like, isn't just getting hired proof enough? But the <laughs> the apparent it was it was a weird it was a weird vibe, and uh, um, I don't know why that was. Maybe they were just more. There were just more assholes over it uh on the writing staff of Ferguson. But uh the very, very accepting and cool at uh President's show and uh, and, and and by the way, the Ferguson writers and we all became friends, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, we were and, and we all had a good time. But uh uh right away accepting at the president's show and uh super fun and but the, you see this shit drips down from the Snakehead or whatever—I'm fucking up metaphors—but Anthony is a fucking. Do you know him? Have you had him on? No, no I haven't. You should have him. He's uh—he's amazing, and he's always a blast. And now he's got a show, and guess what? He's still amazing, and he's yeah. always a blast, and he's very funny. And he just—he wants to have a good time and do the best comedy he can do. But he's not an asshole, so. Everybody has a good time yeah, and uh, they're having fun putting out ideas and and sharing ideas and working together. We would all jump on each other's thing, uh, whatever anyone was writing. Oh, you come in here and I'll write. It's very like super cross pollinating, collaborating, fun, Yeah, you know, like they wanted the, the higher ups. Nangle, Peter Gross and Anthony, they want Jason. They want fun. So then, fun happens. It's so simple. <laughs> yeah. It uh, you don't have to be an asshole. Don't do that, because those kinds of because it, it, where are you going to get? You know, you hear about this with the with the SNL and the Lorne Michaels, and it's a, a scary environment, mm-hmm. and everybody is watching their back, and that's hard to create comedy with yeah, that. How sure. do they do that? Yeah. They do. They do a good job. They make some good comedy there. But do you have to go through that kind of stress and pain yeah. to get to it? Apparently, you. You. They think you do, <laughs> but I don't think. I don't think you need that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah, It doesn't make sense. Uh, how, how do you approach writing for a show where the the POV is like Donald Trump?
1: Um. Well, it's it's like one big. I mean, the way I approach it yeah. is one big character, day, right? Yeah. And I think that's how. Uh, I think that's how the uh the producers think of it too, you know, and every show that's topical has has back to Twitter again, like we want to make sure that we're not doing the same jokes mm-hmm. that are on Twitter now we have one advantage, which is Trump would not say right. most of the jokes that are uh said about Trump on twitter, so mm-hmm. we we're c- coming from that angle already gives us. An advantage, um, which is great, uh, but I would just say it's like one big. It is one big uh, character game, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's they would find like the, the producers are really great about like trying to find like when he would be. It's not stepping out of character, but sort of like uh, he's a little bit more um, self-aware, right? Yeah, and so he'll do he'll do some material from a self-aware place as Trump, and then. Switch that switch and he's back to full on Trump, mm-hmm. and ma- the material can come out of him that way as well.
0: Those are always like some of the most interesting parts of that show.
1: W- when he yeah. when he's self aware, yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's almost like Anthony talking as Anthony, but right. it's still Trump.
0: Yeah, and it feels like he's like making a a, a very. Sentient point about like his psyche, yes, <laughs> yes. I remember the um, <laughs> there's that one clip uh, of him, like, I guess it was with the he was scared of the curbs or something, yeah. He goes off on this crazy tangent, yes. And it's like, oh, yeah, that that's like a, that's pretty deep stuff actually, yeah, going on right there, yeah.
1: Well, he said this in interviews that he's like he attacks the person the impersonation from Trump, what he w- the work he's done on Trump's psyche, what mm-hmm. Trump is like from his soul or whatever faux soul he has right, right? and uh, that's what makes his impersonation the greatest <laughs> it, it really is, it I mean, is it's yeah. it's so unique and it's multi-layered so you can do a fucking half hour show or an hour special mm-hmm. um as we did for the christmas one because it's it's very multi-layered i mean that talk about letting the game rest he you know he can do that because that character is so his version of Trump is is very rich and textured so mm-hmm. there's more to play with there uh,
0: how do you handle like breaking news on a show like that because um, every day there's something new
1: it, it's weird because some weeks would be uh, you'd have the show on uh, pretty much there on Tuesday and uh, and everything would be smooth sailing it'd be the same thing wednesday Mm -hmm. and you'd sort of feel like really there's nothing else i mean we not to say that we wouldn't uh the producers wouldn't say like let's try to put some of this in and some of that uh that just happened today but it would have to be seriously breaking and the the one i remember the most was uh when we had uh mario Cantone playing mooch for the first time um he had just given that Vanity Fair uh interview where he was right. cursing and being I forget what the specifics was I, yeah. were that he said, but it was like it was it was all over social media.
0: That was like the the ban in uh sucks his own dick. The
1: fight yes, yeah. the in sucks his own dick. I think it was that, yeah. And so we had to rewrite po- pockets of the show mm. to I mean, it, I mean, that I remember that was such a strong show already because Cantone is amazing. It, it was, um, it was like perfect. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't ask for. Yeah. I mean, it was like he was born to do it, uh, and the, and I, and every everything like fell into place writing wise for it. So it was really just peppering uh, the stuff that was coming out on on social media from that interview. I don't even know if the inter- interview had been released yet. It was. Yeah, they they had remember. they had uh were re- releasing snippets or or what have you it's funny to me that i this was probably 4 months ago and i'm treating it with the same memory response to ferguson which was 6 <laughs> years ago it's i have a horrible memory um the but that but that i remember that one specifically was like uh, all hands on deck. like And and actually, the producers, I think, did most of the work on it, but uh, we had to do s- uh, most of the rewriting on it at the last minute. But we had to do some stuff. Um, they would often, uh, like, after rehearsal, this was one of my favorite parts of the show, after rehearsal, the writers would go back to their desks, and then they we would start this document in, uh, with this scripto thing, which is like a Google mm-hmm. Doc, and uh they would just throw they'd be in another room, the producers and Anthony, and they would just throw up, We need a, a different joke here, we need an all new thing here. So this just happened in the news, give us something here. And we would just sit some you could alone in your office or we'd get together as a group. A lot of times we did it as a group and just start pitching jokes as fast as you could because they were getting this all ready for wow. the taping. Yeah. You know? And that – that had that that gave it that real like, oh yeah, man, this is happening, man. That's that rush, you yeah, know, yeah. from doing topical shows that's so fun. And that you go, oh, I'm a blessed, blessed person <laughs> to be a part of this. Uh
0: there's so much political satire now. How do you kind of stand out from the rest?
1: Have Trump be your host. <laughs> your host yeah. I one. mean, seriously, yeah. there are talk shows coming out on uh Netflix now. Uh, that are that are being announced, and uh, there's another one on Hulu, I think that's coming. And I, Godspeed to you guys because they're, they're Tr- like where Trump's the head. No, oh, okay. no, just talk. There yeah. seems like there's a fucking talk show farm that that is yeah. growing these things, and because they don't know what to do with these amazing comedians, and uh, so give them a talk show. Well, what the? What are you going to do? That's yeah. any. I mean, uh, clearly you could put more women in. in uh hosting these talk shows and more uh more people of of different races but at the end of the day i mean are they just going to tell jokes from the perspective of their race and their and their gender i mean that takes you only so far right and mm-hmm. then you got to deal with uh other comedy and then that takes you into are we being repeated on Twitter? Like there's no Twitter is what the late night shows are mm-hmm. like that. Twitter is a late night show. <laughs> and uh, cause it's an all fucking day and night show. And how do you compete with that? Yeah. You know, you have to come at it from some weirdo angle like the president show does. Or, I mean, you know, we all do things cause we need the money, but if I didn't need the money, I wouldn't do, uh, any, Fucking late night show unless it was uh, something like this because this is this is different
0: mm-hmm.
1: I mean that's that's the truth yeah. none of these people would <laughs> none of, n- nobody would Sarah Silverman wouldn't do a I'm gonna speak for her now. <laughs> I know her I know I don't know her at all but I I've seen enough of her to guess what goes on in her mind and I'm not crazy. Mm-hmm. she doesn't need to do it why is she doing a talk show yeah. a late night show?
0: I don't know. I, I loved her like, Comedy Central show. That was so
1: funny. That was uh, yes, more of that. Yeah. That show was great. Well, they canceled it. <laughs> I know. Yeah. But they, it, it got a couple of seasons, right? Like three, Two, yeah. Yeah, that was a great show. That was a great show. Yeah. And I, if I want to hear funny, perceptive uh, takes on the news from sarah silverman i'll read her twitter yeah i don't need a fucking hulu show about. And i haven't seen the show and i had (laughs) friends that worked on it and they're hysterical and i'm sure it was a great show but she's doing it for the money they don't know where to put her put her in a fucking give her movies yeah give her give her her show back she's better than a fucking talk show late night i don't even was it a talk show it's just a late night it's a late night
0: show it's also, I feel like the streaming late night shows are like a huge disadvantage because, like, you don't know when they're on. Oh, yeah. Because
1: yeah. uh, they, the, they've got to do, the, I'm sure, the part of it has to be evergreen. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's got to be super tough. Yeah. What a headache. Don't do that. Just yeah. give them sitcoms. Well, maybe they don't want to be, I mean, then there's the acting thing. Like, I can't act. But Jerry Seinfeld couldn't act and he did right. all right. Yeah. I don't know. Let's fucking figure it out, Alan. Because uh, <laughs> these people are being wasted. <laughs> they really are. Joel though. McHale. Jesus, that's who I was trying to think of. Oh yeah, Joel McHale. Now Joel McHale started in Talk Soup, right? Yeah.
0: Which so, I, I like the soup, and I think soup this, was great. This show, or it was the, is, it was called the soup. The when soup. He did yeah, it right this now. this show I think is uh, very soup like. I've heard
1: his his current show, like the one that just aired. Okay, yeah. so he's kind of going back to his roots. That's yeah. all right. Yeah. But uh, but then, but now he's going to be maybe dealing with an evergreenness to it. Yeah. Is possibly. it is it daily? Uh, or is it weekly? It's weekly. It's weekly. It, was the soup weekly or daily? The, the
0: soup was weekly. It was weekly. Yeah. Okay. At well, that's that's not... the last iteration. So it. that's kind of what
1: he's used to. Yeah. So that that's him sort of like just doing his thing. But yeah. he's doing that. You
0: know why he's doing that? Yeah. For the fucking money. <laughs> he was almost uh, the James Corden. The. That's right. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Now
1: why did that not go to a fucking woman? I don't understand. Yeah. Even Letterman was like, give that to why would they give I feel like they did that just to piss Craig Ferguson off. <laughs> Let's give it to another white European foreigner yeah. that no one knows. Yeah. Even Craig was a little more well known than James Corden was, I think, at For the sure. time. At the yeah. time that he started it. Mm-hmm. Um well, that's crazy. Yeah. Crazy to me. Well they they probably Nothing they, against James Corden. Yeah, yeah. Although I did see the emoji movie with my son and <laughs> Jesus dude. He's in that. They
0: um the CBS is probably very happy though with that show. It's it, yeah. doing very well. Oh yeah. 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 But, and
1: they have spin off stuff. They right, have the yeah. karaoke in a toilet or whatever the fuck they do on that. <laughs> um that's its own show now. Yeah. And yeah. Uh yeah, no, they they, they they must love him. But I don't know what you're doing with uh I mean, in terms of the format... Like, I was blown away when... Uh, when... Um, oh, Jesus. Colbert. Mm-hmm. Like, was... Like, that guy fucking broke the mold. He's like... Yeah. An- like Anthony. Mm-hmm. He found a, this character, right? Mm-hmm. And now you get to do a, a talk show that's totally different from everybody else's. Mm-hmm. And is fu- smart, funny comedy, right? And now I'm leaving that to be the old school thing. Yeah. Right? But now... I guess he's doing. Um, he's do- he is doing new stuff with that old form. Mm-hmm. I mean, from what I've seen. Yeah. So there there is some good in that, but in the beginning. Didn't it feel like, what are you doing? I yeah. mean, is this is a money grab. What are you doing, buddy?
0: This also could be like uh, like a prestige thing. Like he wanted to host. Right. Yeah. But let's
1: get over that yeah. prestige. The networks are done. The movie sure studios also, are going to fall into yeah. the ocean. Everything's over. I mean, because we're coming, not because of North Korea, but because the, something is coming in terms of the streaming shit. The right. streaming stuff is going to change. All of it, it has yeah. to, right? Yeah. It's too. Uh, it's too big. I mean, Netflix drops full television series every other day.
0: Well, they drop a stand like, last year at least. They were dropping a stand special every week. Yeah, which is crazy.
1: When, it's going to be us next. They're going to call us. Yeah, and, you, know, you guys are up. <laughs> well, we don't do stand up. Yeah, sorry, you're up. You're in New York. It's like uh, uh, Law and Order. If you were an actor yeah. and, and you couldn't get on Law and Order, it was like, well, then you must have left town that week because uh, your number was up on Law and Order.
0: But yeah, I, yeah, it's a weird. I think uh, I actually think the streaming things, unfortunately, are going to become like the cable networks, where it's going to be like a package. Yeah, I think that might happen. Well,
1: that I mean, but the, hopefully they'll figure that out so that that's a, a manageable price. Because right, like, yeah. I'm a cord cutter. Yeah, and I'm on Hulu, HBO. Uh, Netflix and Amazon Prime, and it's mm-hmm. like that shit is pricey when yeah. it's all, uh, and th- and none of them have good movies. By the way, right. great television, but like <laughs> the no good movie selections. None of them. Yeah, they all suck. <laughs> like that's a real that's a bummer. Yeah, we need a we need a we need a a, a pay channel that shows good movies. Oh, that used to be HBO. <laughs> and they don't do that anymore.
0: Yeah, everyone's going for that prestige television. Yeah, that's where the money is, I guess.
1: Now, do you watch a lot of comedy television shows uh, that aren't? Uh, what do you, What do you like to watch comedy wise right now? Yeah, it's interesting Do you interesting watch question. sitcoms? Do you watch a lot of sitcoms? I watched
0: uh, Search Party, Search the Party, TV yeah, show, mm-hmm. which was really good. I haven't good. seen that yet.
1: Um, I want it, to. Though.
0: Not much. Not much else, really.
1: You. So you're a comedy guy. Yeah. Who doesn't watch sitcoms?
0: Not not too many now.
1: So what what do you like drama?
0: I do. I watch a lot of dramas. Now, that's
1: man. every comedy. Yeah. And, I, and I, when I say guy, I mean gal as well. Yeah, yeah, That's every comedy person I know. They just can't watch this. Now, these, they're apparently great sitcoms on.
0: And it's crazy, too, because, like, all these people work on sitcoms and they don't watch it. Yeah. Which is interesting. Because it's
1: like homework, right? Yeah. Because you're just watching yeah, this that's shit. Part of and, it.
0: Like, and I think there's also, I mean, right now, I think there's a, definitely a lack of good comedy shows.
1: Yeah, but there are some, uh, like, uh, uh, well, I don't know any of them anymore. But uh, there are some, uh, there are a couple, aren't there, that are supposed to be really good.
0: Yeah, there's like Brooklyn Nine Nine. Brooklyn
1: Nine Nine. Well, I've seen that though. Yeah. That, that is good. Um, uh, but I only watched the first season.
0: Yeah, which Mike, I've heard Mike get canceled this year. Which, oh, is that? Uh, well,
1: it's been on a while, right? It's like
0: it's in its fifth season, so yeah. yeah, yeah, it's time
1: to go. <laughs> um, but yeah, I always find that interesting because all I fucking did. Yeah. Before I was in this business, was watch sitcoms. Yeah. And 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 late night talk shows, mm-hmm. and uh, now I don't watch <laughs> any yeah. of that stuff. I want Mind Hunter and and other <laughs> programs exactly like that, and that's it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I I I do think because I remember like you know just a couple of years ago you had Community, The Office, Parks and Rec, Thirty Rock, right. even Scrubs. Like there was like yeah. Now I don't think there's like there's not many shows that are even as good as like Scrubs was.
1: No, and I I, I couldn't stand Scrubs at, yeah. towards the end, especially. <laughs> um, that was a, that was a hard one to take. That felt didn't that feel like a little? Well, the last like uh, overreaching that the one, last the comedy?
0: seasons were uh, like the weird ones. Yeah, like, yeah, those weren't great. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen it since I was like in uh, high school.
1: What's your favorite sitcom of all time? Of all time? Yeah, because oh, I have one. That I love to talk about ad nauseum, and you and uh, you're gonna love it. So I want yours first.
0: I sit. That's difficult. You can't um, choose just one. <laughs> I mean, I guess I'd say this is kind of a boring answer, but I'd probably say The Office, like The American Office. Uh-huh. Yeah, this is, a, it great is, it is a, was a great show. It was a pretty perfectly done show yeah. until the last couple seasons. But yeah,
1: yeah. My favorite. Yeah. Everybody loves Raymond. Yeah, and nobody they go, "What are you talking with the kids?" And <laughs> it was never about the kids. And they say that in the first season. But I'm always surprised UCB people aren't into that show yeah. as much as I am because that show is so much, so much more than any other show. And it was my wife who got me into that because I did. I was like everybody else in comedy who was in the in the UCB comedy world. It was like fuck that show, family bullshit. Um, but then she watched it constantly and she said, just sit down And I and I love it. Ray Romano's a great stand-up comedian. Phil Rosenthal perfectly was able to get his uh, comic persona and comedy view of the world into a sitcom format and it has it just it has the live audience which Seinfeld uh, by the way half that audience is is laugh track yeah the Raymond is full on live audience laughing and enjoying themselves and you feel it and uh and it's long scenes it, it is a lot like long form improv that and the games are so clear in that show, and the characters are so great and the more that show that show ran nine seasons, it started to get weird in season eight and nine seasons eight and nine, and yet still didn't lose it didn't go like Roseanne crazy where that last yeah. season where she wins everyone's dead or whatever the fuck it was. It it goes kooky, but stay, still manages to stay grounded, and it is the closest thing that I feel represents UCB style comedy on television. But you got to watch a bunch of them, and uh, I will tweet a list if people want. Yeah. Um, of the best episodes to watch because it is, they or I'll send them to you and you can put them up wherever. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, it, it's one of the best shows ever. I tell that when I was teaching classes, I would tell that to the class and you could see they were all cool, you know, super polite and writing stuff down and then the pens would stop when I, I said, <laughs> Write down. Everybody loves it. It's a great, it's a free show that's it's constant rotation on TBS. I don't know about it anymore. And you'll learn so much. So funny. So good. Great actors. Great comedy. Phil Rosenthal, genius.
0: People love Phil Rosenthal. Um, they love watching him eat, apparently. Yeah, that's that's, that's his thing. thing. Yeah. yeah. Like he's, they want
1: to film him eating. I, I would not have, I don't know the guy or, or already. I met him during the writer strike of 2007 and super sweet dude. Um, but uh, I, the last thing I would have ever pegged him for doing next is watch me eat for a half hour <laughs> yeah. every week. um but yeah that's a great show Mm
0: -hmm. uh so what would you like to be doing next in your career
1: i want to uh probably um you know what i would really like is just to make a living off of i I, this is gonna sound like a fucking (laughs) horrible joke but make a living off my webcomic a fistful (laughs) of babies because uh that is like the purest form of um Uh, ownership of anything like what that's another great thing about comics is you you uh you act in it you write it you direct it you 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 do the clothing you do everything because you're drawing and writing the whole thing and my drawing is severely limited but (laughs) it's a little better than kathy you know (laughs) um so i i would be happy just making my living off of that for the rest of my life I am so far making uh $0 from it, but I'm just doing it out of love, but that's really what I would want to do. But I don't know if I would ever have the patience to try to figure out how to make how to make anything happen with that. So yeah. in the meantime, um, I, I write specs and pitch them. I come up with show ideas and pitch those. And I try to, you know, I try to come up with stuff that I would want to watch. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh pitch them and you know if if that were to go that would be fun but uh uh yeah really just the just the webcomic i mean yeah. there's so much you know and a, and a fun any kind of fun television show that would be that would be nice enough to have me on i would i would like to do but mm-hmm. those are always a crap shoot i got fucking luck. i got very lucky with president mm-hmm. show there's no work in this city You know, actually, there is more work than there ever has been for this city, but still, comparatively, like to how many people are here that need work in this business, it's not there are not many opportunities. And I got very lucky to be able to work on a show as amazing as the President Show, Mm -hmm. Um, and hopefully, hopefully there there'll be uh, uh, other opportunities like that uh, in the future. We'll see. I don't know. It's it's one big uh, journey towards a question mark, isn't it? You know, you don't know what it, you don't know what this life thing is going to bring you, Alan. Yeah, especially in comedy. Especially in comedy. Yeah, yeah. you don't know what's going to be funny anymore. Right. It's True. Yeah. You know, like you can't show an '80s movie now because yeah. it's too offensive yeah. for most people. Yeah. Like that shit was, you know, like and, and Ghostbusters sucks. Yeah um I like was the,
0: coming to america the other day and oh wow i haven't seen
1: that in forever it's still funny but there's
0: some very yeah, questionable parts
1: um oh i'm sure i'm sure they're questionable what yeah, yeah. well, i saw i showed my son groundhog day on groundhog day okay that is still of, like a very that holds up yeah, yeah. that's a great funny movie and that might be
0: the best comedy movie i don't know
1: it's an i i would definitely say yeah. top three for sure yeah. that's a great movie mm-hmm. and that was like 93 yeah, maybe around that time, yeah. um so that's not bad yeah but ghostbusters was 80 i think mm-hmm. and uh jesus i just yeah. i wanted and i and we had a one of his buddies over so it was a sleep overnight and these two were just fucking pint pint-sized <laughs> oil oil paintings i mean they fucking they were like what what is this they weren't even scared you know <laughs> yeah but then, you know, with kids, they're so fucked up. The movie's over That was great. We got to watch Ghostbusters 2 next week. And I'm like, please forget about that. Please. Because that sucked back then. Right. And now I got to watch it again, probably. I don't know. Oh, Pat Oswalt on Alan's Fridge. What should I do with my children? Um, yeah.
0: Okay, so we're going to wrap up. Okay. Uh, with you giving your thoughts on, on a sketch idea I have. Yeah. So... All right, this is a pretty basic one. Okay. So it's like a courtroom, and the the jury comes up, and instead of finding the defendant guilty or not guilty, they find him to be cool as hell. So like they're like, oh, we find the defendant to be cool as hell. And that's uh, that's all I got for that. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I don't know if it's just um, a blackout, maybe. I was
1: just going to say yeah. blackout.
0: Like maybe it's someone like... Uh, I was thinking it could be like this, like somebody like listing like the, what he did. Uh-huh. It's like, he was wearing sunglasses, driving his PT cruiser. <laughs> and then it's like.
1: Because yeah. <laughs> well, it could, I mean, you could give it a bit more legs than a blackout if it's, if you do that list thing and then somebody like the judge or whatever's, yes, but it was third degree murder. Right. Like keeps bringing back the, the, the real, you know, another mm-hmm. detail from the horrible crime. Yeah. That's true. But it, it was committed in his penthouse which has a you know about you know jacuzzi and a yeah that yeah you could go either way with that Mm -hmm. Uh, that's funny yeah but you would you wouldn't want to keep hitting well where's the trap in that um they're going to keep saying it's cool as hell it would have to be other variations of yeah yeah of what cool is maybe Mm
0: -hmm. what would you mean by that like variations of like the what what, cool? what
1: what is the what is no no what is cool? What is cool? What is yeah. the what's the what's the verdict that they say? The exact verdict? Cool as hell. Cool as hell. Right. Yeah. So, because the fun the other funny part of that is like what they they all unanimously agreed that oh, the, yeah. he's cool as hell. That's or funny. does do some of the jurors think like I never thought you know <laughs> uh, that shirt was cool as hell? Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, like because my nephew wears a shirt like that and he's not cool or whatever. Um, that'd be funny. The 12 angry men version of <laughs> yeah. cool as hell. The coolest hell verdict.
0: Uh, all right, cool. Uh,
1: awesome. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Anything oh you want to plug? I know. Uh, I can't think of a thing. <laughs> I can't think of anything, but if, Oh, there is one thing, a fistful of babies.com web comic. Please support me. Yeah, check I'm not out. even on Patreon, so you can't give me money. <laughs> Just support me with views. <laughs>
0: All right, John, thanks for coming on the show.
1: Alan, I had a blast. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of On Comedy Writing. I want to thank Nick Doss for supplying the sweet tunes, Zachary Glassman for giving us the awesome logo, and Bordock Audio for hosting us. Please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, and like and follow On Comedy Writing on Facebook and Twitter. See you next week